welcome to the latest Fifth Step podcast. Uh, today, I'll be talking to Fifth Step CEO Darren Ray uh, about Brexit preparedness. Uh, with 60 days to go, counting down, um, lots of uh, areas and departments, such as the marketing area, the HR area, finance, um, they will be managing uh, complex change product projects uh, related uh, to the uh, kickoff of Brexit, or whether it's a deal or no deal, on the 29th of March. And uh, today I'll be talking to Darren Ray, starting off uh, from a marketeer's perspective. So, Darren, you know, what, how does uh, Brexit potentially affect marketeering departments? Well, there's lots of things that can be affecting these um, these departments that you know perhaps haven't historically considered themselves to be right at the front line on Brexit. As you've described, Chris, it's complex change, and for marketeers, a lot of it comes down to ensuring that uh, you've got the you know, the right vendors in place and that you know who your vendors are and what they're going to be doing. And we'll talk more about that, I'm sure. But absolutely critical is understanding where some of the opportunities are. And there are many opportunities for marketing departments. Um, I've been really surprised in talking to many of the organisations, as I have, um, that they haven't been considering some of the opportunities, you know, such as alternative markets, you know, should organisations be moving into alternative markets? Marketeers are really well placed to be placing that and having those those kinds of discussions you know, with the rest of the business, um, perhaps identifying markets, uh, markets that are you know, perhaps English speaking or you know, they, they've perhaps ruled out previously because they've been too busy in Europe. But having a look at it, things from that slightly different perspective of, well, if we're no longer in Europe and we're looking for other markets or other ways to actually do business can we do that you know uh, you know is Australia a viable market for example perhaps you know stretching the geography a little bit far further but understanding that and looking at that from those kinds of perspectives so how, how do you uh, as, as a marketing department how do you offer that kind of guidance to either you know the C-suite or, or the senior executives in the firm it's getting closer to those uh, those stakeholders really um you know, if you're head of marketing, or indeed, you know, this can go for other departments too, but if your head of your department is not part, you know, on the board or is not in regular contact with the C-suite, then it becomes a little, a little bit more difficult. But, you know, typically it's going to be all about talking with and elevating the story and the under, you know, demonstrating that particular department's understanding of the challenges that the organisation is facing. So really it's about putting a business case together and demonstrating knowledge you know, and escalating that knowledge further up the um, you know, up the stack. And if that's a long way up the stack, then obviously you're going to need additional help and sponsors perhaps to get that message through. But you know, using the marketeers example, you know, speak to your chief marketing officer and actually start to get them on side as a, you know, as a key sponsor um, or your head of marketing, depending on the type of organisation you're in. Because we, we, we were at a, a uh, presentation you gave last week, uh, the Insurance uh, Marketeers Group, weren't we? Uh, and you were presenting on some of these, these, these topics. And one of the things that came out at the end, I, I recall, was when we were talking about you know, pr crisis communications, PR planning. Uh, yeah. It was a bit surprising to, to learn that, that no one really had approached their board or CEOs um, to put together either a Q&A or, as, as I used to call it when I worked for you know, large organisations at Barclays or whatever, you know, what, what is our line to take in the event there's something that's happened regarding Brexit that we, that, that we weren't anticipating? Because uh, you, can, you can anticipate and put together a question and answer set, can't you? You can, Chris, and, uh, you know, um, 
you're being uh, very modest about talking about this subject, but it was actually your point, uh, your question that was raised you know, during the meeting. And it was a really good question and really well, um, well articulated to that group. But you're quite right. Um, you know, these are the kinds of questions that organisations ought to be preparing. You know, if something were to go wrong over the period of Brexit and, you know, a service uh, couldn't be offered or, you know, a product becomes unavailable, you know, what is the messaging that you're going to use? And prepare, you know, doing that, pre that preparation up front now, um, okay, you may not need to use it, but if you do need to use it, you'll uh, you know, you'll be so pleased that you've um, that you've prepared and thought about it um, and made that difference up front. And it's not just a, it's not just the PR, is it? In in today's modern world, and you know the social media world that we live in, I mean, I'm not saying you can anticipate every tweet that goes out there, but say something does go wrong and a and a, a T hadn't been crossed or a, a dot uh, added to an I on a contract because it, you'd open a new office abroad and uh, and hadn't maybe foreseen all the potential contractual outcomes. Um, it's quite possible, you know, even if you're a small firm or a large firm, you might get a, a bunch of uh, social media tweets aimed at your direction saying that you failed to plan and, you know, you should be ashamed and whatever. How, you know, you need to react, be able to react quickly and fast, in, you know, the day after the 29th. Yeah, look, this is all part of the Brexit readiness uh, requirements, right? It's not just about um, having a plan in place for the 29th of March or, what, you know, should the date get push, pushed back, whatever it becomes. It's not about just about that at all. It's very much about um, ensuring that you've got everything in place, that you've got what you need um, to, to continue the, the normal operations of your business. And you're right, some of that is going to be being prepared. You know, social media storms can, you know, can whip up very quickly. They can dissipate quickly too. Um, but if, uh, if a storm should whip up, far better to have that language prepared have the um, you know the party line prepared so everyone knows what the party line is and that the message is and how that's going to be managed. You know, far better to do that than leaving it to chance or to luck and uh, you know potentially getting you know stung by that uh, um, that storm. To mix a number of metaphors there. Yeah, and I suppose it comes sometimes. It's not not just the internal operations that we're talking about, but if, if you've outsourced, say, some of your marketing or your PR uh, to a vendor. Um, you need to, you need to make sure that uh, that they're Brexit prepared and Brexit ready too, don't you? Absolutely, you do. And there's a uh, a phrase that I've uh, coined that I don't know that it's going to get traction, but um, many organisations will uh, recognise the initials KYC. Uh, this means know your customer, and it's a requirement, particularly in financial services, for example. Uh, for organisations to know their clients. It's a anti-fraud uh, and anti-money laundering requirement as much as anything else. Well, I'm recommending that particularly during Brexit and for other reasons as well, cyber security comes into this, um, into this realm a little bit as well, but I'm really encouraging organisations um, to use the initials uh, KYV, know your vendor. Um, so actually understanding who your vendor is, what services they're providing to you, and if they are going to be viable post-Brexit. So have they done their Brexit readiness? You know, this is really a continuity planning exercise after all. So we have to make sure that they've done their planning and that they've thought through their ability to actually provide services to you. Now, if you're not confident about that, obviously you need to be making either backup arrangements or you're know, going wholeheartedly into arrangements for an alternative vendor. Now, 
some organisations may already have such preparations. But if you haven't, it's absolutely critical that you understand who your key vendors are and that you're able to continue you know, normal operations after Brexit um, you know, with your vendors or with your backup vendors. I'm going to throw in another acronym into the mix here. I'm going to call it KYD. Can you, can you guess what that might be? Um, I hesitate to, uh, I hesitate to, uh, to guess on a podcast, Chris. Go for it. So know your data. I mean, how about in terms of you know, GDPR, um, you know, in the event of a no deal? Would that, would that be affected or would, would we just continue as, as we have before? Chris, you are, you've been spending far too long on these, uh, on these podcasts. It's becoming apparent. Um, absolutely. Um, know your data is very good too. Um, yes. So if there's a no deal Brexit, and indeed, if, there's a, if there is a deal, um, then um, there's still going to be some form of transition that's going to need to take place. Because whilst the UK is GDPR compliant at the moment and is con- as part of Europe has, uh, you know, is treated the same, the data can flow across Europe. Um, when we exit Europe, uh, whether that be through no deal or through a deal, um, we're ultimately going to have to have a equivalency with GDPR. Now, the EU has said that they won't be granting that um, you know, immediately. So there is going to be a time when data can't necessarily flow between the UK and Europe immediately after Brexit. And if that's a hard Brexit, then obviously that's going to be far sooner than, uh, than later. Okay. So that's obviously some pretty serious implications potentially. But what about what about other areas? Uh, rather than looking at the risks, um, let, let's go let's move on to the opportunities. I mean, uh, in terms of you know alternative products potentially uh, could be uh, a great way of helping to even grow your business by you know by uh, understanding the risks of Brexit and turn that into a crisis into an opportunity, couldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And again, I've been surprised that uh, organisations haven't necessarily been looking at, at alternative products or even Brexit orientated products. You know, I'm sure there are many opportunities for many different sectors um, in this, um, in, you know, in this respect. You know, the the presentation we were giving um, the other day or that I was giving the other day that uh, we both attended um, was uh, to a financial services um, sector and um, those guys there hadn't considered alternative products. They'd very much been, um, you know, head on into you know preparing for bre- Brexit or expecting others to be preparing for Brexit. They hadn't actually looked at any of the uh, the upside or you know any of the opportunities. So absolutely, you know, be pre- preparing and thinking about products that your organisation could offer or how you can tweak them to make them you know, more applicable or more attractive to clients during, a, during the, the Brexit transition? Well, it, it, it might be a, a potentially a differentiated, uh, differentiated for your firm, I, I would have thought. Yeah, absolutely. There's that possibility, right? If you can actually be thinking about this when so many others are not because they're too busy uh, trying to consider uh, their Brexit readiness. If you've actually got ahead of the game, you know, perhaps you've read a you know a Brexit readiness guide book, for example, um, you know, perhaps by um, you know perhaps by myself. Um, but if you've read something like that, or you've been uh, you know um, fully prepared, got you may have a little bit more breathing space than some of the others. So taking advantage of the opportunities and trying to find new business um during this period of change is you know well it's absolutely imperative for organizations uh, to be you know t- taking on that activity i would say 
you actually, I think you have a chapter just co- covers this uh, subject at the end, the end of your, uh, your your book, don't you? Uh, as you as you mentioned, as you alluded to earlier on, you know, you you did write the Brexit readiness guide, which was about what, about a year ago to, to this very day, virtually, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was actually released on March 29th, uh, 2018, in readiness for March 29th, um, yeah. 2019. So, yeah. Okay. Um, so, what other opportunities are there out there? Many of the opportunities are going to be uh, very specific to um, you know, specific industries and um, organisations. But if you look at it, um, you know, if you take a finance department, for example, there may be opportunities for... Um, a finance department to do things differently post Brexit, or uh, there may be opportunities for things to be um, in-house or indeed outsourced. Um, that becomes a new way of doing things, and perhaps a more efficient way of doing things. That Brexit just becomes a a reason to do it, or provides the opportunity because there are other business processes that are changing as a result. So, you know, the important aspect here is to look outside the box or think outside the box a little to ensure that um, you know organizations are looking more broadly and that they're taking advantage of business process change so what whatever what, from the meeting that we had uh, last week um, what else um, what, what else did, did you think we need, we need to cover I mean um, you know what are the opportunities for you for people personally for example yeah that's a good question Chris I think um, I think it's very much around um, you know the opportunity to um, sell yourself with this with this change. You know there may be opportunities for you know people in people in um, middle management positions to actually uh, get closer to senior management to push themselves up. Indeed, those in senior management who are perhaps um, you know managing you know one country or one region at the moment may have the opportunity to push themselves forward. Um, you know as a result of the changes that are taking place as a result of Brexit, um, you know, and Brexit readiness and and planning. So, you know, think about things from that perspective as well, you know, because there will be opportunities in all sorts of areas, but people who can think strategically uh, and actually push their, uh, you know, present their story that very clearly to senior management are always, um, you know, always individuals who uh, senior managers are looking to, um, you know, engage you know, further because you know they're looking for people to bring them solutions very often. We're talking career you know, career opportunities here, aren't we? Really? Yeah, we are, Chris. Yeah, we are. Um, you know, quite uh, quite plainly, I think there's opportunities for people who can demonstrate strategic thought leadership and and can, who can present um, a cohesive business case to senior managers. You know, whether they be part of the senior management team already and they're looking to extend their um, their remit or whether they're not part of the senior management team and they're looking to looking for a promotion or looking for greater responsibilities I think uh, the amount of change that's taking place as a result of brexit you know opportunities tend to uh, you know, fall out of those kinds of opportunities um, you know those kind of changes we could sorry to interrupt but we um, we've spoken a lot about marketing but I guess uh, from a you know human resources department point of view, from the HR director, um, you know the the fact that uh, there's going to be the flexibility we have to a certain degree at the moment for Europeans to come up, come over and work in the UK, depending on the you know, the type of deal that we have, people are going to have to start thinking in the HR department about maybe seeing opportunities to hire people from other parts of the world. How how can you make a plan for that? Yeah, absolutely. So HR departments, um, you know, many of them have been thinking about this and have been 
um, you're working with their European colleagues and um, ensuring that they've got the, the right to stay where they want to or when they want to. And uh, obviously, you know, looking to replace those people who are looking to return home. Now, the other aspect is, yes, of course, you can recruit people from other parts of the world. And that has been a, a focus for some organisations. But some organisations are looking at alternative ways of uh, looking at this. Um, you know, some of the things that I've spoken to clients about is how... Uh, they can combine a couple of roles and actually use a you know a flex up flex down project manager for example to replace um, you know, a, a European project manager who's returning back to Germany so you know looking at those kinds of things um, and looking at them in a different way is something that HR departments also need to be thinking about okay um, are there any other sources um, of, of information that that, that that have covered this I don't know have you have you read any any other books or articles that have, you know, uh, discussed some of these issues? Yeah, I mean, there are numerous sources, but I would really recommend that organisations or people, um, you know, preparing for this, for Brexit, um, just keep themselves abreast of the news, but keep themselves abreast of their industry news too, because some of the aspects are being discussed, um, you know, in industry documentation, and some of the challenges that are specific to specific sectors. Um, other good sources of information, the Institute of Directors is doing a, um, you know, a fairly good job in respect to, um, you know, raising awareness about Brexit for organisations of all sizes, um, but just keeping yourself abreast of um, the the challenges and changes. And you know, every time there's a big vote in the House of Commons, um, you know, making sure that you've got some awareness of what that means or what the outcome was at the very least, and what the potential outcome is on your organisation. And if you're not following the the approach that I talk about in uh, the Brexit readiness guide, you know, you can still um, benefit even if you're not following following the full process you can even benefit from you know, following part of the process even at this relatively late stage to ensure your organization is has an awareness and is reacting and heading in the right direction you know the, the key aspect is about brexit is it's such a complex um, beast and with the final location yet to be um, you know, located, you know, whether it's going to be a hard Brexit or some form of deal Brexit, um, you know, that adds a great deal of complexity, um, you know, as we've spoken about, Chris. But yeah. as long as you're making the decisions that are helping the organisation go in the right direction, it doesn't matter whether, you know, the the direction or the decision you make takes a company, you know, north-northeast, for example, instead of due north, at least you're heading in that northerly direction to actually make sure that you're, um, you're, you're going in the right direct direction and not being paralysed by a lack of decision on the part of the government, for example, to actually get this deal through. Okay. Well, if any of our listeners uh, do need to get a, a kind of a Brexit compass to guide them in the, in, in the right direction... Um, there are all sorts of ways you can get help from uh, Fifth Step on topics like these. Uh, the podcast area uh, of the uh, Fifth Step website, uh, for, for example, um, which you can locate if you go to www.fifthstep.com forward slash podcast. Uh, we've got plenty of Brexit-type materials on there. Uh, and, of course, the Fifth Step blog, uh, which you can find at Fifth Step. That's F-I-F-T-H-S-T-E-P.com. Uh, just go to our blog area. And, of course, we've got videos, uh, podcasts like the one that we're recording now. Uh, and, of course, by all means, uh, Darren, uh, try and check out Darren's Brexit Readiness Guide on Amazon. 
uh, which you can find on Amazon quite easily. Just type in the words Darren Ray and Brexit Redness and you should find it straight away. I think I've, have, I, have I covered most of the potential distribution channels we've got out there? <laughs> You've done a very good job, Chris. Um, and most of those off the top of your head as well, which was um, is very good. Um, yeah, also that we're helping a number of organisations with their Brexit readiness. So if it's something that um, you feel your organisation is um, still un- underprepared for, um, you know, reach out to Fifth Step. Um, you know, you can contact us by any of those uh, channels that Chris has just mentioned. You can also email us at info at fifthstep.com. And, uh, you know, we'll very quickly get back to you on that because we understand and appreciate that many organisations are starting to get, um, you know, more worried about um, how they are going to be able to deal with Brexit in a in a constructive way. And, you know, that's what we're helping our, our existing clients with. Okay, well, I think that's covered everything else off. So, uh, if then, also, if anyone is interested in, you know, Brexit crisis communications, we're able to to help with that aspect of things. We've got plenty of experience in that area. So, uh, on that note, I think for today, that's uh, that's uh, the end of uh, today's podcast. And it just just needs me to say thanks to Darren for sharing all that information. Thanks, Chris. Great job, and uh, we'll see uh, see everyone next time. Yeah.